Welcome, guys, back to the Grateful Living Podcast. Today, I'm thankful to have Wendy Stanko with me today. Wendy is a registered nurse at uh, Mayo Clinic. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. No, I'm excited. It's uh, thank you. What you're doing is great. It's important for everyone's well-being. And I just have to say at the beginning of this that um, I work at the Mayo Clinic, but like what I say is not officially what the Mayo Clinic says. It's just me. I'm just a nurse who works there. So nothing about publicity, nothing like that. So yeah, no, of course. Uh, and yeah, thankful to have you on. Yeah. So uh, take us back to the beginning. Uh, you know, where you grew up, your family situation, what type of kid you were? Oh, sure. I uh, grew up in Connecticut and one of four kids. So I had always, there's a lot of people around, you know, um, I was always someone to play with. And I guess I was a good kid. I was a great kid. I listened and excelled in school and was a nerd and liked um, play sports and was on some sports teams and did a lot of housework around the house. We didn't really have TV. So, um, you know, I didn't get to watch SpongeBob or Hey Arnold or any of that, but I read books and spent time outside and it was good and it was fun. I worked hard. Um, yeah. And then I guess in high school that just excelled even more, you know, with high school <laughs> sports and AP classes and honors classes and took Spanish and French and I oh, yeah, am a nerd, but, um, that was good. I, I, I liked what I, where I grew up. It was a nice place with a good community full of support and people. And I was l- lucky to have a lot of opportunities that I don't think um, that not everyone has. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. As you look back, you know, especially given what you do today, uh, do you remember the first time you thought about, you know, going into the healthcare profession? Yeah. So, well, I guess I sent you a picture. I don't know if someday you can share it. It's a it's a picture of me in like kindergarten as a nurse in a school play. And I was all excited about the role of a nurse, blah, blah, blah. And then for the longest time, you know, as a kid, you go through the phases of what you want to do and what you want to be. So for a long time, I wanted to be a marine biologist because I was obsessed with sea worlds and dolphins and everything like that. And then I was like, hmm. Because then I learned what they finally do. You know, they don't play with dolphins all the time. They go outside and look at, you know, lab work and data and all that stuff. So um, I guess in high school, I always liked science. Um, It was always my favorite class. I liked biology a lot. And so um, I took bio. And then my high school had like a like an internship program where you could go and shadow a bunch of healthcare professions to kind of, I guess, decide and see what everyone does to determine if you want to go into that maybe. So I did that. I think it was my sophomore or junior year. I'm not sure, but so I like um, shadowed like a PA, a respiratory therapist, a doctor and like different settings of the hospitals. And then I shouted nurses in a few areas and, I guess I decided that I wanted to do nursing because I like helping people. I love helping people. Um, and I like science and I think nursing is a great combination of that. And I chose to be a nurse because the nurse is the one who's there all the time with the patient, like 12 hours, sometimes even longer a day. Like you get to know that person on a personal level, you get to know their family, you get to know, you know, their situation and what they're going through and just really be there for someone like doctors and they're all great because they're very smart with the disease process. They know that, but I mean, you're there for the patient. You are the one who advocates for them. You're the one who listens to them and jokes with them and laughs with them. And you really know what's going on with them. And um, I think that's just something very special to be there with someone by their side during like often what is their most, you know, vulnerable, scariest time of life. Um, you know, especially these days you're in the hospital sick and, you know, people are scared and they have a, you know, a right to be scared. And it's nice to be that rock and that support and kind of like this, not that I'm a coach, but kind of like help guide them and coach them through it to hopefully get them better. Yeah. Or help them go through whatever they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. So like before your senior year, were all the colleges you applied to, to nursing schools? 
So when I applied to college, the only things I applied to was for nursing. So like you had to apply. Some schools you would apply to just the school and then like later on you'd have to apply to get into the nursing program. And then most of them that I applied to, I chose to do just directly into the nursing program because I didn't want to like kind of go through that wishy-washy period of, okay, I got into the school, but I didn't get into nursing. So what am I going to do now? So the schools I applied to, I only applied to directly the nursing program to see if I would get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess talk to us about uh, nursing school at at BC. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was great. I, I loved it. I um, It's hard, you know, nursing school is not easy, especially in college because, you know, you have clinicals and you're in the, not that you're, you're in the real world. Like sometimes in college you get stuck in that little bubble. But as a nurse, you know, sophomore year, I started my clinicals and I was so lucky to be at BC where we were at like Mass General, bringing women's Boston Children's Hospital, all these like amazing magnet status hospitals. And, you know, so maybe your friends are going out on a Friday or something or not Friday, I guess like a Thursday, but you have clinical on Friday morning, so you can't or, you know, or you're at clinical all day and then you got back and you had to go to class and all this stuff. But you kind of leave the college bubble and enter the real world and your profession and what you're going to do. And it's just, I think nurses are so lucky that at that because we get to see everything and experience everything. And that's how you learn with hands-on. Um, so that was, you know, different, but uh, the schoolwork and the books and everything, that's also a challenge because it's science. It's not, you know, it's, you have to sit there and memorize things and, and, um, but it was great. Um, I loved going, like I said, to BC. I had the city right there, but then there's also fun times and the nursing school and nursing staff is very supportive um, at Boston College and we're very lucky. And I got to do a, a nursing abroad experience too in, at BC in the Dominican Republic. And that was very eye-opening to like the, to all the healthcare disparities that our world faces. So um, I got a very well-rounded education and couldn't couldn't ask for anyone anyone better i don't think yeah yeah what do you think is uh you know for maybe someone starting out uh in their undergrad you know were there things that any pieces of advice for them on how to navigate uh nursing school mm. don't give up <laughs> uh, there are times where I was like, oh, my God, you know, I see all these business majors, you know, getting their internships set up and getting all these like fancy things with their, you know, um, future employers, like trips to Disney World. And there I am just in the nursing world, just trying to survive and get by. Um, it's hard and it's going to be hard when you're in clinicals, too, because you're going to experience some things that you don't know how to do and you're going to see some scary situations and you're going to think, Oh, can I really do this? And you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and say, why am I doing this? I'm so tired. I stayed up till two o'clock studying for my exam and now I have to go, you know, work for free. Um, but it's totally worth it. And to be honest, most of the learning that you do in nursing school, yes, it's, a, it's important in terms of the books and um, the processes and, and things like that, but you're going to learn the most on the job once you start wherever you're going to start because every place is different and every patient population and community is different and how the hospital works or wherever you end up is different. And that's where you learn the most. Um, it really just takes a hand on, hands-on experience. They always say, you know, you leave nursing school and I don't know, you learn some things, but you learn mainly with your peers and your colleagues and they're on the job. So um, as long as it, it just takes effort, but you'll get through it and it'll be worth it in the end with wherever you end up. Yeah. What was the, what was the hardest class? Oh, <laughs> you're taking me back to like the dark days. <laughs> I feel like, st I heard, I heard a lot of, st a lot of people say statistics was annoying. Statistics. <laughs> I don't really remember statistics to be okay. honest. And maybe I blacked it out. I just took statistics for one of my grad courses, like two semesters of statistics, and it was okay. I uh, I survived. I, you know, it's not, I guess statistics is annoying because 
not annoying, but you just don't use it as much in your job. Like I don't right now, I don't say, oh, let me find the stats of this. And you do <laughs> in your research, but you don't, you know, actively do the st stats. And quite often, if you're doing nursing research, you probably will hire a like statistician to do your work for you. Um, I guess, well, I know my hardest class was probably pharmacology just because you learn all the, it's like learning a new language. You learn all these new medications and what they do and, and all the side effects. And there are so many out there. I'm sure, you know, like you go, you watch a, you know, a commercial and it talks about some medication and that does this and why it's helpful and the side effects. And, but it's, that was probably the most challenging. Cause I think I also had some clinicals during that time. No, probably not, but just a lot of other classes going on. And it was, I think it was my sophomore year and it was just kind of tough to get through um, and very important as well. And then like, I guess sometimes pathology was hard because it was very sciencey and, uh, but yeah, those are probably the most tough. In terms of the clinicals, what should um, nursing students be trying to take from those experiences? Just do everything that you can. It's really all about taking in whatever experience you can use, experiences you can get. You know, um, you're not going to be able to do everything that the nurse does because you're a nursing student and you're learning. But be with them every step of the way. Like never ever, like just sit there and at the desk and not do anything. Like go into a patient's room if they put the call light on, see if you can help. Follow a nurse just to see how she gives her meds or what meds she's giving and talk to her just really like absorb everything and be very hands-on and um, like, don't be afraid of the nurses. I know that as a nursing student, like working with the nurses, like you're in their space. And to be honest, sometimes it can be difficult to have a student because as a nurse, you're always learning and you're always teaching someone. Like I get nursing students at my job that they're like, you know, I'm not a nursing instructor, but it's part of the profession to pass on your knowledge to like the people coming in because that's how you're going to learn. And so sometimes it can be difficult to have a nursing student because maybe I really want to get all these things done, but you also need to teach that new nurse what you're doing and why you're doing it. So sometimes your day can kind of get slowed down and behind a little bit. Um, but don't let that deter you if like a nurse is kind of being not nice to you. If that's the case, then maybe go just find another nurse or talk to your instructor about it because um, you're really going to learn the best by experiencing things. So you don't, don't want to lose that chance. Yeah. Did you ever uh, like not enjoy uh, the experience or think, you know, you might've made it like a mistake ever. Like now or in, in choosing in choosing in choosing nursing school, whether that, you know, cause you know, you, you, you guys have a different experience with school cause you're literally specifically going for this. Th and I'm just thinking on my own, like, at, like as a senior in high school, like to make that decision to, to want to go to nursing school, I'm sure there's people that, do it for a couple of years and then are as like a sophomore, like, Oh man, maybe I didn't make the right decision. Yeah. Well, that happens. Um, for sure. It's hard to say what you want to do when you're 17. It's, yeah. <laughs> no one knows what they want to do when they're 17. Um, but nursing, I don't know, I guess not, I, not that it's a calling, but like, you know, when you want to be a nurse, like it's, it's not easy because you see a lot of people struggle and you do a lot of like yucky things that most normal people don't want to do. But for me, I just remember like the patient, like what are they thinking right now? What are they going through? Um, you know, I look at my patients and I say, Oh, that could be my grandma or that could be my mom. That could be my brother or sister. Um, how would they feel if they were in this situation? How would I feel? So for me, yeah, you have those moments, but then you remember what you're doing, you know, makes a difference. Um, it's like I said, it's tough because again, in college, like, you know, other people are doing math or religion or, you know, business and they aren't getting that hands-on like kind of scary situations. Um, but to be honest, if you, if you don't want to be a nurse, you kind of 
figure that out a little bit on the earlier side when you go to clinical and maybe you're scared or you know you don't like it which is totally fine because it's not for everyone and it's important to realize that too and then a lot of people actually go the other way where they are doing something else and then they don't find like fulfillment in it or something like that so then they come to nursing and then they decide that they want to be a nurse a lot of people do that as second careers so you never know you know and even as a nurse now Sometimes I, I think, oh, do I really want to be here and be doing this? You know, especially when you're having like really tough, tough days. But usually that feeling just passes when you get to do something that's like amazing that you wouldn't get to do anywhere else. So, yeah. So then after you graduate, uh, nurses have to take board exams, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how was that process? Uh, oh. The NCLEX. <laughs> uh, that's also taking me back. Well, you know, you graduate school and um, and then you're not really graduating school. Like, yeah, you got a diploma, but it doesn't really mean anything until you get the boarding. Um, and then, you know, you're graduating school and everyone has a job lined up and you're like, well, I haven't even taken my boards yet. I still have to do that. So it was fine. You know, I like studying. I said, I'm a nerd. I uh, went to the library every day and studied every day. And uh, you set your date and at some point in time, you can only learn what you can learn. And the test itself is pretty terrible because it's uh, like a computer-based test. So it kind of goes off of like your weakest points and tries to, you know, tap into those just to make sure that you are fully competent in everything. And the questions aren't obvious. There's no one right answer. For example, all the questions could, like answers could be possible. Like, oh, your patient's doing this and this and this. What are you going to do? And you could do all of those. But what's the best answer, you know? So it wasn't a straightaway shot or it was a question like select all that apply. And if you chose like one wrong answer or you missed one, you know, little like suggestion, then you would get that whole question wrong. Um, And then you, you know if you obviously you have to get a certain score and if you don't pass and you can always take it again but luckily um there's like a like you can go up to 200 questions or something again depending on like your competency um luckily for me my exam turned off at like the shortest length that you could take it so i took i think 75 questions and then it just shuts off and i left and i everyone says that you cry and you do cry because I'm like, I left. I was like, okay, for a second, you're feeling really good. And then I started to drive home and then you start to second guess yourself and you're like, oh my God, I got that one wrong. I got that one wrong. You know, and you're, you're thinking panicking. And, uh, and then I only answered 75. So I was like, well, I got them all wrong and it just shut me down because I failed. Uh, So then I went for a run after that um, just to help de-stress because I was, I was over it. And then uh, you have to wait this uh, 48 hours to get your results back. And that's like the longest 48 hours because you spend your entire college career (laughs) and I spent my entire weeks, you know, studying for this test. And then um, I went to a Red Sox game to like take my mind off of it. And then I kept going for runs because I needed to take my mind off of it. And then I remember, and it was in the morning, I came back from a run and I, you could pay $7 to see your score early. I did that. And uh, I was in the kitchen by myself and I remember that I passed and I literally like, like went to my knees crying because you're just so relieved from all of that hard work that you did in college, all that studying you did like to know that you passed and you can finally start like looking for a job and applying for a job and do what you wanted to do. So it was very, a very rewarding experience when you pass it, but uh, you know, just like any test, it's scary and, and nerve-wracking. But any yeah. advice? And, uh, everyone who has to take it, they will, they will get through it. Yeah. Any advice for anyone uh, who's preparing for it right now? Oh, you know, just study. You got to study. You can't go in there blinded and listen to your gut. You know, um, the questions can get tough and confusing, but you always remember, like what's best for the patient, you know, what's safest for the patient. Sometimes I'll give, sometimes the answer is, you know, stay with the patient, don't leave the patient alone, things like that. Um, Just uh, do a lot of practice questions, I think, and try to maintain your 
um, calm and eat a snack every now and then and take a break during the test every now and then too. It's important to get up and kind of stretch and um, give your brain a break because it's going through a lot. So, yeah, you talked about a little bit, but after you pass the boards and now you get into the finding jobs phase of your career, um, how was that process? You ended up at Mayo Clinic. Yeah. How was was that process? Well, it wasn't easy. Um, A lot of people say, oh, there's always a need for nurses. And that's true, um, especially these days. But I guess I knew that I wanted to work at a place that cared about nursing, that valued its nurses a lot of the time. I've worked at um, a few places or seen a few places and at least where um, nurses aren't really valued and staffing ratios are not good and nurses aren't part of like the core part of the care necessarily. And it's a very like negative environment and um, a lot of nurses were burnt out negative. And um, I saw that and at Boston College, I had the great experience of working at like Mass General, Brigham Women's, Boston Children's, like some of these amazing top rated hospitals and um, they're what we call magnet hospitals. So that's like a special designation that a hospital has to apply to um, every few years that involves like how nurses are involved in decision-making, how they're involved in patient care, patient safety, patient outcomes, um, and how nurses are recognized and how they're supported at work. And you have to go through this extensive process to get that approved. And Boston, all most of those hospitals have that. And so um, I thought I wanted to work with kids in the beginning because I love kids. Um, I did my capstone in kids. But um, then I was applying for jobs everywhere, and no one really wanted a new nurse. Um, It was hard to get a job as a new grad in pediatrics, especially for me, at least, close by. Uh, And then I was like, oh, well, I really want to work in Boston. But they weren't really hiring at that time, and I didn't have any ins, and I was like, well, maybe I don't want to be at Boston because I'd been there for like four years and I had, I know the city like the back of my hands. I love it. It's my home. But at the same time, I kind of wanted something new. So I was applying and I was honestly getting a little disheartened because you see all the other nurses out there getting jobs. And I was like, oh, like, you know, now congrats, you know, but then something happens to where it kind of brings you down a little bit because you don't have a job yet. So <clears throat> then I finally decided to just go for a plain med surge and uh, the Mayo Clinic was always on my mind because it's the number one hospital in the world. And I was like, yeah, maybe. But then I, was, I thought, you know, I had a moment of doubt, moments of doubt where I was like, why would the number one hospital in the world want me? Uh, so I never really applied and it was all the way, it was in Minnesota. But then I was kind of getting down to the point where I was like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter where I go. I can experience something new. I just want a good experience. So on a whim, I sent out an application because my my own, my cousin also works um, as a doctor in Minnesota, and he did his residency at the Mayo Clinic, and he convinced me. He's like, well, he's like, it's a really great place. You're going to learn a lot. Um, you should apply. And I was like, okay. So I did. And at the same time, I applied to like a local hospital job just because I, I really needed, I wanted to get started and get experience. And then... Um, I had a, like a four-hour video interview with my with the Mayo Clinic because I had to talk to someone else and then someone else, and this was all online. And uh, it went okay. It went good. And at the end, my manager, the manager was like, well, look for something from HR next week. And I was like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> and I, I hung up, and I, was, and I was alone again this whole process. My family was not there, but they were in Florida. It's fine. Uh, and then I called my mom and she's like, ah, well, we'll see, you know, we're like, they're just being nice. So uh, then I actually went to another job interview for that local hospital and I knew I got the job. Like I, they needed a nurse really bad and I did well at the interview and I knew I had good experience. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'll just like, you know, start there and then I'll, I'll keep dreaming and get there eventually. So I went to go to stock and shop to treat myself to some Halloween candy after my interview, because that's what I do. And um, I'm sitting there looking at the candy corn and I got a I got a phone call from Rochester. And I had also just been rejected from a job that same day. Um, but that job was in Rochester, New York. And so I was looking there and I was like, it's like, what do you, what do these people want? You know, they just want to, you know, decline me again. <laughs> and I answered it and, and they were like, oh, this is the Mayo Clinic. Like 
well, yeah, I liked your interview. And we'd like to like, you know, offer you a job. And I was in the like in stop and shop in the Halloween candy section. And I was like, oh, that's great. I was like, I'm at the grocery store. Can I call you back in like 15 minutes? And then uh, I called my parents. And again, they weren't, it was just me at home. And uh, we were like, well, this is a great opportunity because it's a great hospital. And um, I really wanted it. So I took it. And um, yeah, to everyone's shock. And everyone was, you know, like, oh, you're so brave for moving out there. You're so brave to go out on your own, blah, blah, blah. But um, I guess looking back at it now, yes, I was. Um, but I had studied abroad. I had um, gone to school in Boston and I was, I'm a very independent person. And so I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I just uh, kind of, yeah. And then I picked up and went, came to Minnesota in November, 2017. And uh, now I'm here. Yeah. I said, I was only going to stay for a few years, but I've had such a good experience and so many opportunities that I, um, that will stay for a little bit longer here. Yeah. 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 I guess, for you moving to a new city and starting your career out, uh, do you have any advice on, you know, I mean, socially how you've been able to make friends or, you know, just to adjust? Well, Rochester, Minnesota is not the most exciting place in the world. It's not like Boston, you know, and it's cold. Um, I guess I just kind of focused a lot on my work and my job. I love what I do. Um, so I tried to learn as much as I can and get, again, as many experiences as possible. Like I joined committees at work. Um, I uh, go to the day when gym, when COVID was open, I would go to the gym and go to gym classes and help see people there. Um, I had nurse residency, which was important. Um, for I think new nurses where you kind of are in a cohort with other new nurses and you have meetings and you get to talk to them. And I made a few friends through that. Um, I would just say, be yourself and just continue to stick to what you do. The real world is not college. Um, you know, it's different. People are working and, and it's different going to the, like not the real world, but going out to work um, right after school versus going to grad school. And I think that was a struggle because, um, grad school people are kind of in their grad school bubble, which they're so lucky because, you know, they get to learn some more with people around their age and continue to do what they love. But it's not the same as, you know, being employed and being responsible for people's health. So it's it's um, quite a different route and you're going to end up comparing yourself to other people and where they are with grad school and things like that. But you just can't really let that take you down because you have to continue to do what like you wanted to do and what your goals were. So um, I guess just continuing to do what you like and what you love. And eventually you'll find your way and what fits you. Um, I don't have as many friends here in Minnesota as I did back on the East coast, but I keep myself busy with goals that I have. And once I achieve them, eventually, you know, you continue to move on to whatever's next. So. Yeah. What, um, so in terms of choosing the units that you work on, is that, I guess you don't get to choose that, right? You just apply to. Well, yeah. So I applied and work on a general surgical and medical uh, general surgical um, and like plastic surgery units. So we get a whole different types of patients. We get some really sick, serious patients with big like Whipple procedures and pancreatic cancer, cholecystectomies, all this stuff. And then we also get like plastic surgery, which is more of like, you know, um, like wound care. We get to work with the transgender population, um, a lot of breast cancer. Um, and just like, so you get a whole different range of things. I did get to choose that unit. And when you apply for a job, you do get to choose what unit you're going um, you can always change later, like transfer internally if you want, but you also have to what we call float. So it maybe your unit doesn't need you as a nurse, um, but another unit does need a nurse and you're already scheduled to work. You will go from, you will not work on your unit. You're going to go work on a unit with other people, other patients, um, different populations. So 
when that's what happens at least in my hospital i'm pretty sure it's the same wherever but you kind of sign up to be a nurse you know you you're, you're mainly on your unit but you also have to sometimes often go to other units and work with those populations so you kind of become like a jack of all trades and i like floating i like learning different things you learn i learn something new every time i float to another unit um you get to work with different people you get to work with different patients and see different courses of uh, you know life and disease and you learn a lot so i personally enjoy it um it's also hard because you don't know where things are you don't really know the service you don't know the other nurses as well so that can be a challenge but um you get to learn and nursing is a lifelong learning job which is why i like it too so yeah you know obviously things changed in probably march of 2020 uh with covid do you want to talk about what went on at the hospital since sure then? yeah covid everyone needs to listen to to this um those it's really awful um i know it's it's been going on for almost a year now and i'm tired of it too like um i hate covid but it's it's so important to take it seriously i can kind of go through um the whole story of of it so when i first started i would be at work and you know, watching TV with a patient and we'd see what's going on in China. And we're like, oh, that's in China. Like, you know, that's going to stay over there. We'll be okay over here. They get those things all the time. And that started popping up in the United States. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, that's kind of scary. Now it's here, you know. And then, uh, then it just kind of came on like a wave. I remember I'm in the Midwest. So it first went to the East Coast. And everyone was talking about it. And I was like, oh, that's on the East Coast. Like, we should be fine over here but then obviously it made its way over here and i was um there was just a lot of chatter about it first like you know what it is what we're gonna do um it was pretty scary i guess as a nurse because no one knew what it was and they're all like the hospitals are gonna be overwhelmed like we're gonna be overwhelmed and i remember i was like crying sometimes because i had in my mind like this vision of you know our hospital like filled with people and beds and no one to take like no space for them and i envisioned them all coughing and all this stuff it didn't happen like that obviously but um i was working in march when we finally the hospital finally decided that no visitors would be allowed and that was when it like really hit me i was like oh this is very real you know first we all had to wear masks and and then they're like oh no visitors and that's just disheartening and terrifying and extremely sad for all patients because you know who wants to be in the hospital sick when you can't have anyone come visit you like imagine you're sick and your family can't see you they can't support you they can't be there to make your decisions with you you know they can't do the simple things like change your tv channel or go get you a glass of water or help you walk um and then you have the situation of people who are dying in the hospital, not maybe not from COVID, but from another disease. And you can't have your family come to see you. Like it used to be that, like if you're on hospice care or something, you could have as many people as you wanted come in and say their goodbyes. But these days, you know, and at that time, you that wasn't allowed. And um, that was when it really hit me. And I was like, oh, oh goodness. And, um, and then as a nurse, your responsibilities like jumped up the loop because you didn't have to only be a nurse. You had to be their family. You had to be their emotional support. You had to be their company. Sometimes I'd have patients who just put on their call bell, mainly just to kind of see someone and talk to someone because you're alone in your room. And I had a patient who, who had a visitor and then they had to go obviously and like you saw the pictures on the internet of people waving to each other through the windows and that's a real thing like i had patients waving to their um spouses downstairs on the sidewalk through the window and it's just like it's so sad um and I, like i said the workload increased on the nurses because it's such an emotional toll um and then you had to do the simple things that family would normally help out with like even using their iphone or changing the tv channel so our job came a lot like that and then all these new policies came out about how to do ppe and how to save ppe and we don't have enough ppe or hand sanitizer and you have to recycle that now and do that that way and it was a lot to take in um 
that was a big change. And then obviously like the, the surge kind of was going to come and they, you know, New York was in panic mode and everyone else was in panic mode. We were okay for the time being, but out of the fear that, um, that it was coming to us, a lot of nurses, like we stopped a lot of the surgeries and a lot of nurses got furloughed because they weren't doing elective surgeries. So people like kind of lost their jobs for a little bit because the hospital slowed down in preparation for this big disease that was coming. So um, a lot of changes happened quickly. And, you know, it was just, I felt like there was a lot of pressure on nurses and the healthcare system. And there was a lot of support too, which I was so thankful for and so happy for, but you know, it's, scary when you see on the news that there's not enough PPE. And at this point, we didn't know what COVID was. We didn't know what it was like. And so um, it was just kind of scary um, in the beginning there. At the same time, like I never ever, you know, everyone talked about healthcare heroes. I, I don't consider myself a hero because I think as a nurse, you sign up for a job, you know, you sign up to help people. We deal with infectious diseases and everything like that normally not normally but like on a day-to-day -day basis and so to me it wasn't like scary in that sense I guess it was just scary that this was something new that we had never seen before and just um kind of the toll that it was taking on people and then how people weren't and, taking and, it seriously. and you were risking your life I mean <laughs> yeah yeah I guess but you know we risk our lives you know what if a patient has you know is HIV positive, you technically risk your life when you do a blood draw or something like that. I mean, you wear gloves, but, you know, yeah, I guess so, but I didn't really, I don't know. That's not something I thought about too much. I was just kind of mainly trying to keep everyone healthy and safe was my big thing. Yeah. And, and so you worked as a traveling nurse for COVID patients? Yeah. Um, so COVID was, you know, taking over everywhere. And then um, the Mayo Clinic, we have another an, another hospital in, the, in Abu Dhabi, like a new hospital that just started. And um, just like the United States, they were also very overwhelmed with COVID. They had just opened up. And um, so it, for me to support my employer, the Mayo Clinic, um, where it was needed a lot, which is over, oh, I mean, it was needed everywhere, but they were like a brand new hospital. And if they didn't get help, then they were going to go under. And so I got to go um, work over there for a few weeks. And it was just such a unique experience. And I'm so lucky and thankful that I had the chance to do that because it was once in a lifetime. And I learned a lot about the world, about people, um, it's a beautiful country and I learned how lucky we are to have what we have here as well. Um, it was interesting to see how they managed COVID versus here. And it was really hard to watch what was going on here in the United States, not in the United States, like watching our country go through what it went through and then being there, you know, over there, they had a mask mandate. You had to wear a mask. If you didn't, you got fined. There was a curfew, no more than three people in a car you know, um, they tested everyone and there was, and they managed it, I think pretty, pretty well. And then you get to watch the turmoil that was happening here. It was like scary and hard. And, um, over there, I didn't, I worked with COVID a little bit. I worked there in their ICU a little. Um, and I mainly worked with patients, um, after they had COVID. And that's when I first kind of saw how serious it was because you'd have patients who were up independence fine before who got COVID so sick, they were in the ICU, they survived that, but now they have a feeding tube and they can't eat, they can't walk, they can't, you know, they're still on oxygen all because of COVID. And people say it's like the flu, but it's not because the flu doesn't do that to you. Um, and then I, I worked in Arizona. That's mainly where I had my COVID experience for the Mayo Clinic too. And um, one, it was shocking to come back to the United States and to speak to patient, patients in English, but that was, um, I guess, hard because, again, it's a little scary. You have to put on all your PPE, and um, it's a lot of work because even if, like, you know, something's dinging in the room, you can't let it ding in the room forever. You have to go in and help the patient, um, but it was hard because 
again, you see people who are perfectly healthy and then all of a sudden, you know, they had lunch or a dinner with their friend who went to a bar the night before they tested positive. So then they tested positive and maybe they passed it on to their parents who are now sick in the hospital down the hall. And it was just kind of, you know, you see the full extent of it. And I don't think people realize how bad it is until you actually see it. But the problem is you can't take a hospital and put it on the news. Like you can't do that for privacy. Um, but, you know, I had a lot, I have had a lot of patients with COVID. Like I worked in Wisconsin too, who, you know, all of a sudden like are doing fine. And then something goes, you know, wonky, maybe not with their heart, with their like breathing, but COVID also has problems. Like it attacks your vascular system. It attacks everything. So like all of a sudden I had a patient who like had a heart attack and almost died because of COVID. And that's not, that's something that everyone thinks about all the time, um, that it's not just your breathing, it's everything. Um, and then I guess the other struggle that I had with it, working with it is um, people often ask questions like, oh, like when will this end? Or what will happen after that? Will I get better after this? And you didn't like, it's hard because we don't have, I don't have answers for them. I can't say, oh, this is going to happen. That's going to happen because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, some people have it, they go to the hospital, they recover, and then they come back to the hospital with, you know, a reincarnant, you know, problem that comes up with it. So it's not just like a one-time thing and done that is for some people, but for some people, it's a very prolonged problem. And it was a, it was hard to be that nurse and to be that person to say, I don't know what's going to happen to you. You know, I can help you now, you know, and we'll do this, but what's going to come down the road tomorrow or within the next three hours, like I, we don't know. So that was, that's a, a problem and a struggle that I have when I take care of these patients, but it's nice to be that rock and that support for them when, again, when no one else can, can be there to see them. Some people are in the hospital for like weeks and they don't see their family members and they're stuck in their room because they can't go walk outside. So I feel like they're in jail because you can't go walk. You can't do this. You can't see your family members. And it's all because not maybe all because, but often it's because, you know, maybe they chose to do something that wasn't safe or maybe they went to the grocery store and someone wasn't wearing their mask correctly, you know, down their nose and breathed on them. And, you know, that's how they got it. And to see sometimes people sick in the hospital with COVID and someone's on six liters of oxygen and they're watching the news about how someone is giving a protest about how they don't want to wear a mask, you know, and how they think COVID is fake. And there you are with someone who's struggling to breathe. It's like, and it's very hard to, um, to handle that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So it's very important for everyone to be aware of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Have you, uh, with, uh, personally, uh, seen someone pass away from it? Um, not like directly. No. Um, but I have had and seen a few patients who, like, uh, we're not going to like make it, unfortunately. Um, sometimes I would go to work and I was on, I'm not an ICU nurse. I don't really want to be an ICU nurse, but there were some patients I saw who should have been in the ICU, but were not put in the ICU because they, you know, the ICU was full and they didn't have the resources or the, you know, or the ability to take care of the patient. And it was kind of determined that that patient just, you know, it was determined that he was going to be like hospice comfort cares because there was nothing that we could do for him. And, you know, so yeah, sometimes not directly, but definitely some scary situations too. Like sometimes people will just go down really quick and then you put them to the ICU where they belong. I don't know what happened to them, but um, yeah, it can take a turn quick. Can, can you talk a little bit about the difference in like your routine and emotional and mental health um, pre versus post? Yeah. So uh, pre-COVID, uh, as with everyone, you know, the gym was open and you could go out to eat. And um, I love the gym. That's my area of of relief for stress. And um, 
when that closed, I was, you know, I didn't, I like to exercise. That's how I get my stress out. So that was hard. Um, luckily it was summertime and springtime, so I could still exercise outside, but, um, it was hard to be quarantined and alone because I am alone out here and, um, to not have someone to talk to or not be able to go out and see people or even just like go to the store, which is sometimes, you know, fun to do. It was hard. Um, so I kept myself busy with a few house projects and cleaned my house a lot. I planted some plants in my yard and um, talked to a lot of people on the phone. I think something that positive that came out of COVID was you connected with people more um, that you don't normally connect with. Like I got to talk to my cousins in Colorado and we had game nights and, um, and uh, I guess um, something else that changed with COVID is like, I never used to watch the news and then I started watching it with COVID. And then I learned that that's not really something that you want to do because you can only handle so much of the negativity that's out there. So um, that was a struggle for a little bit, but then I finally just said, you know what, like I'm tired of it. And uh, just kind of stuck with the, with what I knew and the reality that um, I was facing. So I guess um, you know, I learned some things about mental health and, and benefits, but then again, you always have those struggles of, you know, not getting to do what you normally do. And um, I think it's just important to continue to talk to people and and um, find new ways to entertain yourself during those times, you know. How do you think, you know, your coworkers and as a group, you know, nurses are doing? Uh, I think that nurses are tired, <laughs> tired of, um, tired of, of people not taking it seriously. I just had this conversation with uh, another nurse yesterday about like, yeah, wearing a mask is inconvenient. It's annoying for a lot of people. I know that, but by you wearing a mask, you're helping yourself, you're helping your community, you're, you know, you're doing what's best for everyone. And it's frustrating to go um, out and about and see that, you know, for some people, I know some people have trouble breathing in them, but like for people to like insistently not wear them at all, like I was in Wisconsin and you're at work working with all the COVID patients. And then I leave work and you see a bunch of young people go to the bar without like masks on at all. And it's just like frustrating in that sense. And then, um, it's just like it could be solved pretty simply and pretty easily. And the fact that it's not and the fact that I've seen this a lot of places that healthcare was so supported in the beginning. And then as time goes on, it's just kind of like forgotten. But there we're still there. You know, we're still taking care of these patients still, even though there's a vaccine, they're still out there. And yeah, um, I know that a lot of nurses and everything are being vaccinated, but it still puts a strain on your staffing. It still puts a strain on your mental health and on resources. So it's just frustrating. And I know everyone else is frustrated with it too, but, um, you know, it's, it's when you're there facing it head on and you know that it could have been maybe prevented with a simple, simple solution. It's frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you think uh, the general public can support the healthcare community? Um, just, you know, I think I like to think that it's better than in the beginning in terms of people are aware of the risks of it, but it's, it's not. <laughs> so just, I guess, continue to, you know, wear your mask um, it's not even that so much as the the group meetings. I know that that's the way that it spreads a lot is by people getting together with a with a small group of people, which is fine. But like your small group of people has another bubble someplace else. That's another you know group of people. So all the bubbles merge together, and that's how it gets passed on. So just I guess continue to be aware and be like positive. It's it's exhausting to hear all the negativity about everything, but trying to think of the positives that it will come out of it on the other side. Like eventually we will get there, but by being negative and kind of dragging in the now, we're never going to get to, you know, the future. Um, 
And I know that the vaccines are rolling out and I, I got my vaccine. Um, I was a little hesitant at it at first, but then I remembered of what COVID is like and how I want to protect my community and myself. And it's scary, but you know, having a few side effects of a vaccine for a little bit is worth not having COVID and not getting your family sick. And if you can get it, I would say, you know, try to get it when you can. And um, even after you have it, still continue to practice those safe guidelines. But overall, I would say just try to be positive and support the healthcare workers because we also don't like COVID. We want it to go away. It's not like we're trying to keep it here so that we're essential. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what I would say, probably. Yeah. Wendy, we, we talked about a good amount. Um, was there was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or send a message? No, I'm just saying, uh, you know, nursing is great. So whoever wants to go to nursing, it's never too late. Um, and there's so many different avenues of it. And you really get to be that person in that rock for your patient and your community. And you take it with you wherever you go and forever, you know, and you'll meet some really special, important people and some special experiences that you'll always have. And those are important to hang on to. And then in terms of like everyone's, you know, personal health, obviously it's very important and continue to practice being well, like with your podcast and practice, you know, take that time to sit down and step away from the craziness that is this world and remember your friends and your family and your health and what you do and why you do it and what's important to you. Because ultimately that positive energy is what's going to help get us all through this. If we all focus on the negatives all the time, we're just going to go down deeper. So um, I just hope that people remember that. And uh, yeah, just take care of yourselves and eat healthy and exercise and just really uh, find that support and, and those people that are there for you and hold on to them. Don't let them go. Because um, I think that's what COVID has really taught us is when everything else is taken away from you, like, you know, all your fun extracurricular stuff that's the people who are there for you that are the most important so yeah yeah well, sorry i ramble a lot no 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 that was good <laughs> it was good for us to, to hear that from a, yeah. a nurse's perspective um wendy i just want to acknowledge you on uh just being you know i know it's you know technically your job but just being an incredible person and you know, being a traveling nurse, volunteering your time to go to, you know, Abu Dhabi, uh, Arizona, I think California, Wisconsin. I mean, California this... was a was a was a fun trip. It was a fun okay, uh, all right, all right. fun visit trip, <laughs> a okay. fun drive. Um, yeah. But uh, now California is uh, if I could go to California to help, I would. But we don't have a hospital there, so I can't go go yeah, for yeah. fun. But uh, yeah. <laughs> No, it's a, like I said, it was really an experience and a, and I, I got to, I get to learn a lot and see a lot. And I know other nurses who have the same opportunity to do the same thing would probably say the, the same. You get to meet people from all over the place and it's, um, it's an experience you don't get anywhere else. So it's good. But yeah, I mean, I, I just want to thank you and, and all of your coworkers and people around the world in the healthcare industry for, for doing a lot of good work. Um, I know you're not one to, to complain much, so, but I think that um, this has been <laughs> pretty tough, tough time for, for nurses and healthcare workers, um, you know, in terms of, you know, having to emotionally put in a lot um, for the well-being of others. And uh, so I just want to thank you guys um, for all that you do and uh, thank you for for being on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's fun. Hopefully, hope everyone gets to enjoy the lovely Minnie Mouse voice uh, that is uh, protruding from here. But uh, anytime, anytime. Oh, sounds good. Thank you All so right. much, Wendy. Party.